podcast. This is your host, Seth Parlow, and I'm back with a friend of mine that I met in high school. His name is Jaden. Hi, guys. Uh, he is just a year younger than me, so we're both within like pretty much the exact same age range. We both play saxophone, so we're basically the same person, and I wanted to have him on today just to talk a little bit about whatever from our past in high school to stories about between then and now, you know, the pandemic's going to come up, but it's not going to be the prime focus of the episode. Well, Seth, it's a real pleasure being on here for this episode, so I thank you for inviting me. Happy to have you on. We've known each other, I think, since I was in my sophomore year of high school. Yeah, I remember meeting you when it was my second semester of my freshman year when I first joined band. You kind of came up to me and introduced yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember at the time, uh, didn't you have red hair when you first moved over to Cooper? Yeah, it wasn't the glory days, to say the least. Uh, when I had that red hair, people would call me the human torch, and I was not quite <laughs> fond of it, but, you know, whatever. We all make stupid mistakes, and it's just all about that character development, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, um, spoiler alert, not really for Squid Game. You're like uh, at the end when he dyes his hair completely red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just on top of the world. You're really feeling that power coursing through your veins. Yeah, basically. So I remember you played alto and you still do. And also tenor. I play tenor saxophone. And so when we first started out in band together, that kind of made it so that we automatically had to interact more. And when you first moved to our high school, like, what was it like getting adjusted? Were you able to, like, find friends relatively quickly, or did it take a while? Well, I actually uh, moved to the Robbinsdale District, like, uh, during my eighth grade year. Um, before then, I was in the Coon Rapids District, but moving to the Robbinsdale District, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of strange, I guess, because, like, Coon Rapids was, like, more of a well-funded school area, so it took me a <laughs> while to adjust it to the... <laughs> to adjust to the much less uh, budget. Yeah, fr pretty, pretty much... Yeah, But, I mean, I had friends back then. It kind of took me a while to, like, find friends in the Robbinsdale district, especially in high school, because, like, back then I was just a weird little shit. And, like, looking back at myself now from then, like, I would have found myself annoying as well. But, like, I got there. Yeah. that That's what really matters in the end. <laughs> so when you say you were a weird little shit, what do you mean? I was just, like, so I had, like, Okay, so I was, like, one of those, like, iFunny kids, right? Like, my whole personality was, like, based off dank memes, right? And, yep. like, I would just, like, constantly reference memes and, like, be, like, rip Harambe, Pepe, you know? And it's just, like, people found that annoying. I don't blame them. But, like, other st stuff I did, I was just kind of, like, just, I don't know. I just did not interact with other people normally, I guess. I would always just, like ask weird things, say weird things, basically just say stuff without thinking and not really regret it afterwards, but yeah. Oh yeah, I remember lots of those times. I think there was unfortunately a pretty large culture at our school. <laughs> Bless you, <laughs> no worries. There's a pretty large culture at our school of like those kids that were, like you said, on iFunny. I remember iFunny being like the shit back in the day. It was like, the reddit kids but like even a step lower than that <laughs> um like i remember in sophomore year of my high school i actually got top comment on one of the main featured posts on ifunny that was like 
that was like the highlight of my week that week in the end it means literally nothing though yeah just like being like i remember just being featured in like the featured meme section was just like at a cheat like a big achievement like i never did that but like i remember like I always wanted to. I just all remember, like, oh my god, I can't believe these people did that. Yeah. So, did you actually post memes on there? I did post memes, but all of them were stolen. Like, none of them were original at all. Mm-hmm. Man, I should try redownloading that app because I'm pretty sure I posted some really bad memes on there. Yeah, a lot of them were like really offensive. Mm. Oh yeah, some of the there was like a big culture, like I mentioned at our school of like the edgy memes, and so that would include stuff like. One of the biggest ones at the time, really unfortunate one, was taking like SpongeBob. Do you remember this one? They take like clips of SpongeBob looking really weird and they'd add a comment, a caption that says like, when the autistic kid blank. I remember that. Ugh. Those were like the most prevalent ones. Dude, that was like prime. Like I just kept, I, I keep remember like when the autistic kid does this or like when the tar wrangler does this but like yeah. obviously now looking back at it it's like it wasn't right to laugh at you know it's obviously like offensive and bad but like we were edgy teens back then you know yeah we um unfortunately did not know better yet about a lot of that stuff i remember there were a lot of kids at our school that would just kind of say slurs and then that was the joke it's like haha guys look i'm a white person saying the n-word isn't that hilarious and it's like oh no not really they were like i remember seeing it blow up on social media there were some kids in a group chat at our school i think it was after like the summer after they had graduated as part of my graduating class where they got exposed for having a group chat where they had said like a bunch of sexist shit and said a slur in one of them and some unfortunate stuff like that that i wasn't surprised but i was like it was interesting because a lot of those things people don't think it's ever going to come back to get them like you say something in a snapchat group chat and you're like oh this is funny this had no consequences to it at all and it's like a little did we know yeah i mean looking back at that like i was kind of surprised hearing like like what like the people that were in that group but like some of the other people that were in that group, like I was not surprised that they said that, you know, just like based off their personality, like from when I knew them. But like looking back at that, is, it kind of like makes me reflect on like how I should like really like watch what I say, like especially more than now with like cancel culture and all that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a double-edged thing where on one hand, you genuinely want to like be a better person, spread a better message, not spread racist, sexist, transphobic shit, negative negativity in general online. And then there's the other side of it where you have to be extra careful that nothing you say can be misinterpreted in any way. Stuff should be called out. Stuff needs to be like said, no, this is not okay. But yeah, it does just kind of bring through that whole, like the classic like death threats, um, threats of like sexual violence, stuff like that is so prevalent online. And when you take off, when you have like public shaming, but you take away that uh, that factor where you're actually anonymous online, it is scary how like far some people are willing to go for no good reason. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely like a prominent thing. But like, what's funny going back to like what happened to that group chat is actually uh, someone actually slashed the tires of one of the people. 
Have you heard that? Oh, I had no clue. Yeah, yeah. Someone, like, from what I heard, I saw on someone's story being like, guys, I, I get it. I messed up. But, like, why do you guys have to, like, slash my tires? And I remember because it was, like, one of my friends that slid up on that story. So that's how I knew. And, like, the friend that slid up was saying, Lo, like, maybe you shouldn't be such a racist asshole and something. And he was like, be the bigger person and whatnot. But it was just a whole thing. But I just find it funny that he got his tires slashed. <laughs> oh, God. That's... That's definitely unfortunate, but like, it's crazy because that is something where friendships from that like ended. Like, it's not kids' games. Like, you have to be careful with what you say, even in private groups, because if you say it anywhere other than inside your head, it can come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah, definitely. You know, I remember like just everyone was like on their ass about it. Like they were like trying to like contact her like college, get them like suspended or even like expelled from the school and stuff. I just it was just a whole thing, you know? Yeah. That was I'm I'm really glad because honestly, some of the stuff they were doing, if I had been more popular in high school, I could have been part of that group because I was doing some really stupid shit in high school that I would rightfully like be called out for for saying shit that's sexist and racist and whatever. And so it's like, I'm really glad that that didn't happen to me. But <laughs> it's like, I feel bad that your car tires got slashed, but you did say some really stupid shit at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Get this out of the fucking shot here. <laughs> just like, hey guys, it cuts to the next shot. Just fucking fog. The entire place is just... <laughs> yeah. So yeah, next episode, guys, we're going to be doing a hotboxing episode. Um, we will be filming it, but it will be exclusively gray fog the entire time on screen. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Back in high school, when we met in band, that was when we were with our first year with our newest band director at the time. Now, he was an interesting character for sure. Um, he's one of those guys that he's very opinionated on music. And I kind of admire that in some ways, but in other ways, I'm like, can you please just vibe to this? Like, uh, I tried playing him some like kind of hardcore punk music or um, like funk music. And he's like, no, I can't stand this. He likes big band music, which isn't even that different. And so I was like, we do jazz music. We do funky jazz music. You like big band music. Where is the disconnect here between this and funk music? Yeah, definitely. Like he, he was a character to say the least like very i don't know i just always kind of found him very strange but like at times like he would just like irritate the fuck out of me and like because here's here's the thing right this being in like the arts program at like a not so well-funded school right he was like a really good teacher and i think that the school like needs him more than he needs the school obviously like he's a really good teacher but it's just like the things that happen in class. It's just like he obviously like he's he's the person that obviously like has his favorites and whatnot. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what can I do to get your approval? Can I can I please do this? Like he would always there's my I had a friend, another friend. He also played the saxophone and it just seemed like he always picked that friend over me no matter what. Like he picked them to be in jazz one. He sent them to the Wisconsin trip and that was at the time when I was like really trying hard with taking private lessons and whatnot and he wanted him to be uh, the section leader and when I like got interviewed he asked him to be interviewed 
so it, it just kind of like made me like super mad about that you know how he had his favorites yeah because it's like every teacher it's like a parent they'll maybe they'll say that they don't have favorites or least favorites but you know they do like you know there are some students that they just cannot stand like oh my goodness uh you remember our like geography slash humanities history teacher so this guy he was generally like a nice guy like honestly his enthusiasm to a lot of kids including myself at the time was exhausting like when you're in class the last thing you want to do is get excited about geography and every day in class he would like come in with a smile and be like hey kids you ready to talk about the history of like these ancient artifacts that we found in this one like bygone era civilization that none of these kids care about because all they care about is trying to find out who at the school sells weed uh try to figure out how to get laid and uh try to figure out uh, how to blow up on uh probably vine at the time i would say like the three tenets of what kids in high school would care about at the time and he was maligned by so many kids in freshman year I was also taking like a, a science class at the time that was kind of giving the basics of physical science. And so I remember learning that uh, PB is the sign for lead. And you know, as you probably know, ingesting lead, not a good idea. You can get lead poisoning. And I made this joke in my science classroom. I was like, dang, I hope this teacher's PB and J, the PB gets replaced with actual lead. <laughs> And it's like such a such a mean joke to say <laughs> like damn i hope this dude gets fucking lead poisoning like no chill at all yeah but the thing about the humanities teacher at our school every single day i had him in the morning he would like how you said he came in with a smile every day he always said it's a great day to be a hawk because uh the ho hawk is what our school mascot was and he said it every single day. And honestly, I, I loved that. I could not get a love enough of it. And like, whenever I would see him in the halls, I would be like, hey, can you say the line? Come on, I really need it, please. <laughs> and he would do it. And it just got me through my day. That's great. It's like, say the line, Bart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he was a really nice guy. And I think it was my junior year. I was starting to struggle a lot more in school. And I had like a history class that was completely separate from the other ones like there was the advanced one and this was the first time that i had like decided to go with the non-advanced route and so i remember we were in this little classroom that's like right uh in the corner of like one of the circles around the library our library is like literally like a circle and there's classrooms around it in that area so it's like just in the back there it's got such a sleepy vibe to it i don't know how to describe it but whenever i would walk in that hallway or into any of those classrooms I would instantly just get like 20% more tired every day. And this dude, you know, he would come into class with that same attitude. He'd do the same, it's a great day to be a hawk thing every time. And then in that classroom was some of the most disruptions I've ever had in class. Like kids would cuss him out. Kids would have to get sent into the hallway like multiple times a week. Like they would just be super loud and like, doing some stupid shit in the back of class and he'd be trying to teach and they'd be like talking over him and stuff. And that's when I really started like 
feeling for the guy because I didn't like him that much originally, but that's just because I had this childish like idea of like, oh, this guy sucks. He's he's trying to teach me about history. What do I look like? Yeah, how dare he, you know? Yeah. When you were in your senior year, after you got that info about it being canceled and then the, there was a long spring break, when you got back to the school, how long was it? Like, I don't know when the mask mandate started, but do you know when they started having kids wear masks in the school? Uh, funny thing about that, right, is uh, after that day on March 13th, I think it was, that was our last day of in-person school. Yeah, so that was the last day, like normal day, but like the last time I was in there after that was just to pick up my instrument and music to practice at home. But other than that, uh, my final time in high school was just like dropping it back off during like the graduation. And it was just so like strange, like seeing, like watching the, the online graduation ceremony because I was like really excited to walk on stage because I was supposed to be like the first person in my family to like get their high school diploma and I was just excited to walk, you know, but other than that, really, school during the pandemic, right, it was just really, like, laid back, I guess, like, I, there wasn't really any, like, online Zoom classes, like, there was last year, it's because, like, this was, like, a new thing for everyone, so, I don't know, it was just kind of more laid back, we still had, like, assignments to do, but I did it, but it was just a really depressing time, really. yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was a lot of people's experiences, like getting those those like maybe three or four months starting from like March up through July, August, I think. Uh, I had already been like depressed, like very severely in like the middle of my uh, one year that I had at college. And when I dropped out, that, you know, didn't go away, unfortunately. Unfortunately, that's not how depression works. And I feel like the entire world around me at that time just kind of felt like completely muted, like felt completely aimless and pointless in a way. I think I know what you mean. Like when like during the pandemic, when like everyone was like out in public, it just seemed like so spaceless, you know, like nobody was interacting with each other. Like everyone was just doing their own thing like socially distanced right because everyone was taking it seriously at the time but obviously there's some people who weren't which was like just really frustrating to watch and stuff but yeah during that summer right it was it was kind of strange i went to uh florida for most of it and it was just weird seeing how different it was in the south than it was in like minnesota because like when i was just outgoing in uh, Florida, right, uh, with my cousins when we were going out, it was just everyone was, like, seemed like acting normal, you know, like nothing was there. It was very strange, but, you know, seeing that most people in the South follow, like, a more Republican or, like, conservative uh, political view, I guess that makes sense in, like, how people in the North are more, like, democratic and stuff. Yeah, in general, for sure. So after you graduated and you had that summer, uh, when you came back, and you were all settled in, did you start college right away or did you hold off? I did start college right away in the fall of 2020. And uh, to me, it was kind of exciting, but hard at the same time because college online, it's definitely not easy, especially like if 
for any major, I mean, because I'm a music major and I still am right now. And having to do stuff like learn music theory, do ear training, do online band and stuff like that. It was just not it. So, but this was the time when I worked at Target. And during that time, I just did not do good in school in general, like at all. But this year, right, uh, we finally got back to in-person learning. And I finally feel like when I go in-person learning, I finally like feel like a sense of hope. Like I finally like no feel like I know what I'm doing and I feel a sense that everything's going to be okay because I know I'm going to get out of my situation right now at home and stuff. And like, uh, not too long ago, a couple of weeks, my best friend took me to uh Mankato for a frat party. Right. And I had the time of my life really like, this is what I was missing, you know? Like what made me sad in general was just like watching everyone else in my class in college doing their own thing, you know, partying, having the time of your life. Like, God, I want that. But like, it makes me feel good because I know I'm going to finally get that soon in like six weeks and I'm just counting down the days. Yeah. I feel like it's just been a year of like the ultimate FOMO for most people is just like, it feels like you're not going anywhere. Like personally, not being in college, I've been feeling like a large amount of like shame around that about dropping out and like a lot of anxiety around money and the future and stuff like that. And then even though I may look at someone on my like Instagram or Snapchat and it looks like they're living it up, it's hard to remember in general the fact that like a social media persona is the idealized version of a person. And so many people I know are going through it right now even if they're in a position where I may look at them and say like oh man you know I wish I was like that right now I feel like I'd have it all figured out I feel like I'd know what I'm doing and I'd have the sense of purpose and all this but it, it's not exactly it's not exactly universal for sure some people are really killing it but I feel like most people are just trying their best and just kind of pretending like they know what they're doing yeah, I definitely get that. Like, I feel that same shame too. just like being in community college and knowing the fact that I was like such a shitty student back in high school. But honestly, like right now during this semester, I would say personally, I think I'm doing really good with classes and grades and whatnot. And it just makes me super happy, you know, but like you were saying about like the social media persona, right? It just feels like our generation this day is just like trapped and just so worried what everyone like thinks about them, how many likes they get on Instagram, like who might judge them. And I just, it's so stupid, you know? Yeah. It's easy to be very doom and gloom about the future. I do feel like that's something that will need to be worked on more as we continue evolving as a society because the internet is so like pervasive nowadays. And people are like, oh, it's been around here forever. It's been here since the 90s. And it's like, in the grand scheme of things, three decades of this evolution of this new technology is so little time. Like, I, I've heard, uh, like, Hank Green, uh, you might remember him from the Crash Course seri series that he and John Green did. So he made a point about how, like, the, the newest revolution in technology, the thing that changes society the most is overall like communications technology because obviously transportation is a huge one but communication is at the core of human society as a whole like speech and being able to organize things is what makes society tick and when you have a new revolution in communications it's like 
we're at the very start of it. We have no clue what's going to go on. So it feels like we have had it for a long time and that we should know how it's what's going on right now. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's kind of weird just how we're like, we're the first generation dealing like with this sort of technology and how like we're dealing with it right now. Because like, if you imagine like, imagine how like our parents, our grandparents lived, you know, they didn't have to worry about this kind of stuff like the I guess like they had to worry about the same kind of doom that some people in this generation worry about today because of like the whole Cold War thing worried about getting nuked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit of an issue here or there. Yeah, but it's just kind of weird just like dealing with this technology in this day and age and having to worry about so many things, I guess. And that same sense of doom, uh, when I when I say that, I just think of it that like how like we're all getting older and like how we none of us really know what we're doing or just most of us don't know what we're doing really like I'm 19 right now and I'm personally scared of reaching like my 20s and it's not that like I'm scared scared of like getting older but it's just like having to deal with like the adult responsibilities like after college and all that and it just seems like sometimes it just like goes so fast you know yeah it's like it kind of mixes in with that like whole fear of the unknown because it's like you know all these ideas that you've gotten through so like through through media and society at large and what other people tell you about like what adult life is like um what you can expect and how you should go about it but even all those people that are giving advice or giving their own perspectives are still like us and that they don't really have the secrets that they may portray themselves to have and I think it's hard to give yourself that kind of slack when you have this kind of peer pressure socially to figure everything out. When, as it's been said before, high school doesn't prepare you for the real world in any sort of way. Yeah, definitely. And there's actually this uh, really cool animation on Disney Plus that got released not too long ago. I think it's called 21, something to do with the number 21, but it's basically about this, uh, well, spoiler, but it's about this uh, pair of sisters, right? They're going to the club and her little sister just turned 21, but like she still fears that same fear of being the unknown. And the whole plot basically is that she got like divided up into like different ages. Like there's like a baby part of her herself. There's like a 10 year old part of herself and a 16 part of herself. And it's just like the whole message of that, uh, that short film is that like, nobody knows what they're doing you know everyone's like a child on the inside still really you know yeah does it kind of represent it in sort of like an inside out sort of way with her older ages or how does that work in it uh so her older ages like basically like when she walks in like she's in like this big trench coat and like certain parts of her are like causing her to like do these actions because she's just like worried you know she's never been to the club she's never done any of these things but like when uh, she ends up puking on this one guy and just runs to the bathroom, you know, her sister comforts her and like at the end everything turns out to be okay because like she sees this part in everyone, you know, like she sees the kid, the baby, the teen in everyone. Yeah, I think it's an interesting way of looking at it like psychologically because I feel like there's a good balance where you need to keep in mind the past that someone has had while also trying to recognize that you can evolve into something greater than you currently are or have been in the past. But it's like weird because at the same time, you got to accept that you are who you are. Like for me, um, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. The way that my mind works 
is never going to be the way that I want it to work. And even if it was that way, like I would be a completely different person. So it's like trying to grapple with being able to accept myself as who I am while also having hope for being a better person in the future. It feels like difficult. My second year, your first year in marching band, we did an Elvis show. Yeah, that's right. We did songs like Jailhouse Rock, Blue Suede Shoes. We also did uh, Build Me Up Buttercup for our marching song, which I really liked Build Me Up Buttercup. I thought it was like a really fun tune. And me and Seth were actually in the same section. You know, I played the alto, he played the tenor. And I remember we would always just like goof off and like the section leader would always just like get pissed and just purposely separate us, you know? And our band leader would get so pissed at us because we'd just be goofing off all the time. No one would be like in step for part of it because some people somehow within band don't have the rhythm when walking that, you know, someone with someone that, uh, is good at music in general. You you think, oh yeah, they they have rhythm. They can step in time. No, a lot of these kids have no clue how to like walk. Period. Yeah, definitely not. And I remember actually there was a uh, a thing uh, called the Golden Dingle contest. Remember mm, that? Yep, yeah. yep. So basically, like it was just a marching competition, and like the last one to like mess up, I guess, like wins. So we would like do things like walk like eight yards, sixteen yards, stuff like that. And it was basically like an elimination game, right? But the funny thing about that, right? Because I remember my uh, first year being march band, like I remember being like the last three. But the thing about that is, uh, I cheated. No. Yeah. So like when we when we had like blindfolds, right? I would like purposely like slip it a little up, and I would like use oh. my peripheral vision to look at the ground <laughs> and shit, so I would know where I was going. Wow. You little rat. How could you? <laughs> I thought that was funny. You know, I was I was going for it. You know, I wanted to win no matter yeah. the cost. Yeah. <laughs> you just straight up kill kill a motherfucker for that. Yeah. And I don't think anyone ever found out. And uh, eventually, at like the end of like the that first season at the banquet, I ended up getting like the most improved, which I was kind of surprised about. But it was kind of cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I always feel like that award is funny because it's really nice to win. But I feel like sometimes it can feel a bit like an insult. Like, you know, when you started here, you were complete trash. Yeah, I like that's like when um. A guy I know uh, from high school, when I went to a grad party uh, between like my junior and senior year, it feels like this moment where he uh, walked up to me and he's like, oh, hey, Seth is here. I used to hate this guy, but now I love him. And it's like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of get that. But, you know, it is what it is. It, it, it's, it was a fun season overall. And what really made that season fun was uh, we had the opportunity to go to Memphis and performing the Auto Show Liberty Bowl that year. Oh yeah, the the Auto Zone Liberty Bowl. That was it. <laughs> yeah, Auto Shown. <laughs> I, and I and I remember we kept singing like the O'Reilly jingle instead of like the <laughs> Auto Zone jingle to like. <laughs> Damn, it's like I would love it if that happened. Like we were sitting in the stands waiting to get onto the field. Someone in the band just quietly sings O'Reilly, and it's like a Secret Service agent comes up and just like mercs them, yeah. pulls them out of the stadium. That was such a weird experience. Like, like performing in the show? Yeah, yeah. Like, because for, for people that don't know, the AutoZone Liberty, AutoZone Liberty Bowl is a, uh, a college football-like bowl that happens, I think it's like once a year, 
and it's like pretty large. So they have like these decently large halftime shows. And so that year we were performing uh, on the field with like a ton of other schools from across the country and the Isley brothers. Yeah. It was cool, but it's like when we got onto the actual field, there's like hundreds of kids out there and it's like, um, I could literally be playing bullshit right now and no one would know. Exactly. And I wasn't really too excited to be playing with the Isley brothers. I personally thought that, you know, with their budget being like the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, they could have hired a much better person like within the time, you know, because like, don't get me wrong, like they're good musicians, but like they just seemed so outdated, you know, it just seems like such a random thing. Like, oh boy, the Isley Brothers, you know, can't wait to see them. Wow, the disrespect coming out of this lad right now. (laughs) Can't believe it. No, I'll be honest. I felt like the same way. Like when I heard that it was the Isley Brothers, I was like, yeah, I think I've heard of them before. That that's basically my entire reaction, and they they performed in the middle of the field. You could hear them. Pretty much could not hear any of us at all. I feel like when I went out onto the field, actually, like building up to that, my saxophone reed, the part that you actually have to blow on for it to vibrate and make the noise, started to like chip. And so I tried to do this thing where you kind of like break the end off to make it a bit shorter, but still be able to play. The entire thing was so fucked by the end of it that when I went onto the actual field, it like sounded like a dying goose coming out of my saxophone. What part was, what do you, what would you say was like the highlight of that trip for you personally? Hmm. I think like one of my highlights was something you've actually mentioned to me before was just like the trip down because regardless of the fact that we basically had like KFC and McDonald's for every meal, which is not always a highlight. Maybe back then it is more because you don't care as much about your body, but the actual like interacting with people on the trip, the uh, like being able to just hang out with your friends and go on this experience and being able to become closer knit with them. Even if like, you know, even if after the trip, you're not as good of friends during the trip, just being able to form those relationships was so fun. And it's like, it breaks you out of that area where in school you already view people in the exact same way. I feel like all the time. And when you're in a new location, you're like, Oh wow, this person is like stands out to me more in a way. Like I'm able to connect with them more because I don't feel like I'm in this formalized setting. That's so awkward. And I loved that aspect of it really. Yeah. I also really enjoyed the trip there. Um, one thing that was not as much of a uh, highlight as I wanted to be is that I was uh, actually really sick during that time, like during the whole trip. So like, like I felt like I was like gonna like throw up the whole time. But like the good part about that, like even though I was sick, I got a lot of attention because they were like, "Oh, Jaden, are you okay? You need anything, <laughs> bud? You hanging in there?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm hanging in there." But mm-hmm. I don't know. The attention was nice, but again, like like you said, just in experiencing that thing with your friends, you know, building better relationships. I I just think that's just what it's all about, you know. Yeah. I oh, I actually remember. I think it was. I don't think it was the day of like the parade we did in Memphis. Uh, might have been the day before. I think we were like practicing in that same area or something like that. And we were like sitting in the bus waiting for it to go. Like I think we had had lunch earlier. And suddenly we saw like this group of like elementary school to like middle school age kids like out in the middle of the field next to the bus. And they were just like going at it and like fighting with each other, like kind of fist fighting and like wrestling with each other. And it was going down, like, honestly, we, uh, we on the bus that were watching it, 
started to like root for one kid or root for another kid and we were like kind of spectating it like a wwe match <laughs> i was like i don't know if this is bad but uh it was entertaining for sure yeah i honestly don't remember that now that you mention it really oh yeah it was it was, it was a fight to behold mm. it was better than the, the floyd versus mayweather match to be honest oh really oh yeah it was great I feel like the least entertaining parts of that trip were the things that like the organization of the Liberty Bowl itself set up for us to do. Like we had, um, what was it? We had the rodeo, mm -hmm. first of all. And that was an interesting experience because when we got to Memphis, we started seeing a lot more Confederate flags than we'd ever seen before. Yeah. And I remember going to the rodeo at the very start of it, they were like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna have a, a bit of like a prayer blessing thing now, but it's not for a specific religion. It can be for uh, whatever you believe. And then they literally like name, dro name dropped Jesus like right out of the gates. First bar, name dropped that dude. Yeah, I did not really enjoy the rodeo that much. It just kind of just reminded me of like the rodeo at the state fair. Like, you know, I can like see this there, you know, like what's so special about this, I guess, but like, yeah. I mean, it was like, don't get me wrong, it was fun to watch, but like one tedious thing about it is that like, we didn't have dinner that night and like getting oh, food at the rodeo yeah. was like our only option for food. And like the line was just God awful. So yeah. I just ended up going to bed without any food and I was like, you know, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I would say you weren't missing out on much. I got like a few hot dogs from there and uh, you know, the rodeo was like state fair, but the hot dogs were nowhere near a state fair hot dog, unfortunately. Yeah, I remember someone actually uh, offered me their uh, cheese hot dog, and I was like, "Well, I was I'm gonna eat it because I'm hungry, but like cheese on a hot dog, you know, really, like, because it, it's like not a chili cheese hot dog, just a cheese hot dog. Yeah, just nacho cheese on a hot dog. Nacho cheese. Yeah, it was like it oh. wasn't like real cheese. It was like that fake nacho cheese sauce what the hell yeah who no wonder they offered it to you who who in their right <laughs> mind bought that um it was one of the color guards oh yeah yeah color guard is i feel like so underappreciated in the marching band because i think they're not taken as seriously i mean it's not like the marching band in general is taken seriously yeah by the rest of the school but the color guards are like they're doing some cool stuff with those twirling those flags around and I feel like they aren't integrated into the rest of the marching band as much. Yeah, for color guard, it's all it's usually just like always like all girls. But like that year, there was like one guy. And I think that one guy just like joined because he knew we were going on that Memphis trip and he just like wanted to <laughs> tag along. So, you know what? Fuck it. Color guard. That's pretty fair. That's pretty sweet, actually. I mean, to be honest, I would do the same thing, you know? Yeah. At the rodeo, do you remember that a lot of the um like people were uncomfortable because of you know animal brutality so to speak did people in like the band mention that they were uncomfortable oh yeah um there was like several girls that i knew of and some guys that were like really uncomfortable watching the rodeo itself but it's like i get that i personally wasn't super bothered by it but i can understand their perspective on that for sure but what was really disturbing was the rodeo clowns oh yeah oh god you remember those guys? Yeah. Oh, wow. They, uh, you know, they're not exactly uh, the top professional stand-up comedian in the country. Yeah, definitely not. You know, they, they think that they can just, like, dress up in a clown costume and just automatically be funny, you know, but that's 
simply not the case. One of the worst jokes I remember from that is the rodeo clown to an audience full of families and children from the ages of zero to 18 uh, was like, yeah, I was in a, I was in a, this diner recently and uh, this woman's kid kept on hollering and hollering and hollering. And so the, the mom did what she had to and uh, took the kid and spanked it right there on the table, which I was like, first of all, very strange setup for a joke. Hmm. I don't feel like spank- spanking is more normalized in that area, I feel like. Yeah. And then he's like, so you know what I did, Donnie? What'd you do? Well, I started hollering and hollering. I was like, oh, no. Why? This is like the worst. Because it's not like a super explicit sex joke. Yeah. But it's very strange. Like, I do not want to get this clown, get this clown, uh, his ass getting spanked, like as an image in my head. That's the last thing I want is to see this man naked. Bro. <laughs> now it's in my head, dude. <laughs> in your head. That was the most disturbing part of the entire trip, honestly. Yeah, you know, it was in, an interesting choice to like I feel like we literally could have like I would have been more happy if we just stayed at the hotel room that night. Honestly. Like if we could have just like chilled, you know, like order some room service. Yeah. My my roommates though, they're like kind of mean not like low-key just kind of like wacky like at the time like like my annoying like sophomore phase like I was mentioning before like my but my roommates right what they would do what they did right is like one night they would just like just flash their bare ass at me Oh, yeah, that brings back. And they back. just kept doing it. <laughs> 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 they were just like, hey, Jaden, look at this. And they would just flash their ass and like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. And y'all are all like, what, 14, 15 at this time? Yeah, we were all in the same grade, like the people in my room. But yeah, it was like 14, 15. Yeah. Oh, God. That makes me think of, um, were you ever in any plays or musicals? The only musical I was in in my high school career was the one during my senior year, which was uh, Ragtime. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. So when you were in that uh, the boys' dressing room there, is it still kind of a... Uh, was the situation at that time still kind of going ham like it did <clears throat> when I was there? So what they did at the boys' dressing room Ragtime, they did this thing. I have this policy, right? And I stick by it. Buy the tickets, you get the rodeo. Now, what I mean by that is that one of the guys, you know, he was like a, a pretty like he was like one of the main characters, you know, he was like more of a theater guy. That's what his reputation was. But this guy, right, is that what he did is that he pulled down my pants and revealed my dick and balls. What and what fuck? I did, I was like, you know what? Is this what you want to see? And I started just doing the <laughs> helicopter dance ass naked. Oh, no. Oh no! Why? And and that's what everyone did. They just flashed their ass in generals and be like, "Haha, funny, haha." There was so much of it too. Yeah. So much. <laughs> oh my god. Junior or senior year, I was in the boys' dressing room. Uh, I was walking back into it already, and one of my good friends was already in the room, the only one before us, and he's like turned away from the door, and he's like doing the classic bit where he's like, hey, I got some bubble gum stuck to my shorts. <laughs> and he just pulls around and fucking one of his balls is hanging out. And we're all just walking. And we're like, oh my God. 
And then and then we were all like, wait up a second, wait a second, dude. Your balls are actually huge. What the fuck? Bro. And then we started calling him like big ball boy, basically. I, I actually did a thing similar to that, but like instead of like calling it, hey, look at this bubblegum stuck to me, I would just say, Hey guys, look, I have a I have a tumor down here. Come look at it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> God, why? There's like so much about that where in high school, I feel like a lot of the uh, the discourse around high school when you're in it, like what the teachers and other faculty are saying are like, they're pretending like you're young adults at this point, mm-hmm. but you're still children. Yeah. Like you should not trust us with almost anything in high school. Yeah. So you only joined theater in your last year of high school. Yeah, so I was I actually was did not like voluntarily do it. Like I didn't audition or anything. Like the only reason, like I was just kind of like dragged into it, right? Because like the theater director at the time, uh, basically what she said is that she needed more white guys to play racist roles because <laughs> the musical, right? It was uh, Ragtime, and for those who don't know, it's basically a political commentary about a African American man who doesn't get justice in like early 1900s America. Mm-hmm. And, like, basically, I had, like, play a racist white guy, and that's what that the theater director wanted me to do. So I was like, okay, as long as I don't have to drop any slurs, which I didn't. Yeah. I mean, there was one person that had did drop a slur. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, one, he was actually, like, really uncomfortable with doing it. Like, he really didn't want to, but he understood that he had to, like, for the show. But he, like, said that with, like, a hard R. Wow. Man, they'd... St- I'm actually kind of impressed how much some of the theater program started being able to get away with because I've mentioned to you before a show you hadn't seen called society was based on 12 angry men. And that had like a lot of like racial commentary and like a lot of swearing and stuff talking about like drugs and sex. And I think our, our uh, teacher for the theater program started to notice that she was like, Oh, I guess I can actually include some of this more racy stuff in our in our productions. And I was like actually kind of impressed that she actually like went for it in that way. Yeah. I mean, nobody like really got in trouble for it really cuz like everyone like understood it was like all for the show like yeah. I I like I thought it was an interesting choice that the theater director would like want to incorporate that too like like but I get where the person's coming from that they wanted to make it like seem more like real, I guess. Yeah. But it was a really good show overall. Like, I, it was a fun performance, good message, and all that. Really good show. Yeah, that's really cool. I wish I could have seen it. But was it like, was it one of those things where it's like kind of pivotal to the plot itself that it's like a huge moment of racism or something like that within the show when they say the slur? Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't like, like when the person who plays that the character who says that word, like when he says it, it's like obviously in like more like important moments, you know, he just like doesn't like spit it out like left and right, right? Like, yeah, there's certain times when he says it's like make it more dramatic. Oh, okay. I got it. I got it. So he actually had to say it like more than once in the show. Yeah. And there was actually another person who had to say it just two people, I think. Yeah. That would have been so uncomfortable. I can't imagine. Yeah. Being in that position. Like, I remember my freshman year, I was in um, a one-act play, which is, like, 30-ish minutes. And uh, we were doing The Giver, if you've ever read that book in school. I have uh, not. 
there's one scene that they actually ended up cutting that I think if it was directed by our main theater director, they might have kept in because there's like a scene where my character Jonas is talking about having like essentially a wet dream for the first time. Mm. Um, and I was like, I was kind of nervous, but I was actually kind of excited to be able to do something like, like that on stage just in my school. It kind of felt like a strange like opportunity where I was like, kind of like a conditioning, you know, like there's like rejection conditioning where you go out and get rejected to build up like a resistance to it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a, a social anxiety conditioning. Like if I can talk about wet dreams in a play on stage, I can do anything basically. <laughs> yeah. But I, I remember actually uh, one other person in my grade like came up to me after the show and was like actually crying at it. And I was like, oh my God, I've like never felt that touched uh, from a performance in my life. That was really cool. But I, I was like, I'm not expecting that at all. I was never expecting that. Wow, that, yeah, <clears throat> that is really cool to just like hear that, you know, have someone like do such a good job where someone like cries on the performance. That seems like such a big honor, right? Yeah. But I mean, theater is like great and all, but there's a lot of weird people in theater. Yeah. Theater culture in general can be, it can be toxic in a unique way. Yeah. Like there's always like people who like, have like a huge ass ego and like basically think that like they're God and they're better than everyone because they always get like the main character every time. But there's just some weird people in general. Like I had this uh, one guy, I wasn't in theater at the time, but I know I knew that he was in theater and basically what he did, right. It was like at the end of my sophomore year and he basically just like hit me up and said just started casually talking to me yeah and so i had this conversation right and he starts going on and on about like hey you know i have a crush on you mm -hmm. i want to see your dick and i was like pause oh yeah that, that's like crossing a line right there. yeah like we didn't like we never knew each other that well like he just like i feel like he the main purpose that he hit me up is he wanted to like see my dick because i don't i don't know if he was like questioning his sexuality at the time or if he like i don't know what it was but it, it was quite strange and what made it more strange right is that he kept on consistently like asking throughout oh. time like it was like through like my all the way up to like my senior year he kept doing it what the fuck so when did exactly this start happening like spring of my sophomore year. It was like April or May. Wow. So that was like, what, two, two years? Yeah. And what's, uh, what happened, right, is I actually ended up going to his house one of these times, right? Because I generally, because I kind of let go of the fact that he asked and I thought he wanted to like actually be friends. So I was like, hey, you know, I'm auditioning. I want to, you know, join choir. You know, I know that you're really good at singing. Want to teach me how to sing for a bit you know want to hang out because i was trying to be nice you know it, he generally seemed like he wanted to hang out but when i was like there you know he was teaching me stuff i was having a good time but all of a sudden i just like got this like awkward vibe like I, I forgot if it was like something he said or done but i just said like i need to use the bathroom real quick and then i like faked got on the phone and be like oh hey mom and oh, I'd yeah. be like, oh i have to go home now uh, okay well i'll be there in a second all right bye yeah and then I just told him I had to leave, and I ended up, like, walking home. How long of a walk was that? It was, like, probably an hour, because he lived in the 
he lived like kind of by the school, which was like not too far. So it was like a mile or two walk. Okay. That's luck. Not too far, but that is strange and inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like saying you have a crush on someone innocently or saying, Oh, you want to get to know them better. That's all cool. That's fine. But like, there's definitely a disconnect there where it's like, I hope that he eventually realized I like, that's not okay. You can't, like sexually harass someone even online it's still harassment yeah and he was like deemed like popular right so i was like kind of surprised that like nobody like caught on or he didn't get like canceled because of it but yeah it's it's whatever now you know the situation's like done and over but i just find it really strange and that's what kind of like made me like stay away from fear a bit more because i thought like the majority of people are like similar to that but like when i had my experience i enjoyed it yeah yeah because theater like despite having like you mentioned like there are often a lot of big egos in theater and combine that with like everyone there still trying to figure themselves out like me being for example like you mentioned earlier being in like that awkward phase that phase where you're like edgy and think that edgy humor no matter what is just like the funniest shit and that's what real humor is combine all that together with just hormonal ass teens and it can sometimes be a recipe for uh some drama there's there's a lot of weird drama there but mm -hmm. it is worth it because being in like a community where you find the people that you do connect with that respect you and you respect them and you're able to have these awesome experience with, experiences with is so worth it. Yeah. Because like people are always going to have big egos and people are always going to be gatekeeping and we're always going to be cringing at our past. Yeah. So it's like it's worth it in the end. Yeah, and like the thing that doesn't make it as bad is just like knowing that like, I'm a, like literally everyone went through this phase, you know? Like... Yeah. It's like there, there's some people where it's like when you look back on them in high school, you're like, you're one of the, the rare people that seems to like pretty much have a good deal of your shit together and figured out. But for the vast majority of people, no way, mm -hmm. no way. And even then a lot of those people could just be looking that way on the outside when really they're just as confused or lost or whatever. But like speaking of music in general, I know we both love music. Like I originally went to college or music ed and that's actually what you're going to college now for yeah right yeah and so like what made you want to go into music ed i'm doing music ed right now right uh because the origin of my passion for music uh resolves around my grandfather which at the time uh i spent a lot of time with during my childhood because you know things at home weren't great you know a lot of bad things were happening and he would always like let me stay at his place over the weekend every time and we'd always go on like such fun adventures he would like take me tubing he would like buy me a toy from target sometimes take me out to perkins just stuff like that but one thing that was really cool is that he has a record collection and he showed me a lot of his favorite bands like uh leonard skinnerd uh the Ario Speedwagon, you know, old bands like that. Mm -hmm. And I just thought they were fascinating to listen to on the vinyl. And just really, like, the more adventurous we went on, like, as I 
like I, my grandpa is my probably my biggest father figure in my life and just knowing that I just want to do music because it reminds me of him but as I found this passion for music I ended up liking it for myself so he kind of started that flame for me because at the time he he was like the person who made my childhood normal I guess yeah I don't know, just like a lot of trauma and bullshit. You know, we don't have to get into that. But yeah, no worries. Yeah. But I really love my grandpa, and he is the reason why I do music. But uh, later on, during my musical journey, when I first joined band, the band director, you know, even though, like, we had ups and downs, he he always seemed like he believed in me, I guess. And I just needed that from someone you know yeah i just wanted that approval that you know someone saying hey you can do this you know and as i graduated i ended up starting to do it and being in my second year right now you know i i truly feel like i can call myself a much better musician than i was when i started out in freshman year of high school you know yeah that's really satisfying to say thanks for sharing yeah, no, no problem. No cup. No, 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 no calf. calf. <laughs> no kizzy. <laughs> no glizzy. Um, I relate to that too because, like, you know, my childhood is obviously different. But, um, like, for me, I had my dad. Uh, he's super, super into music. He has a record collection as well. And despite, like, turbulence between us and despite a disconnection that I felt in our relationship, that was, I think, what really anchored like me to him in a way where despite having a lot of emotional issues prop out of my childhood I think that's what I'm really thankful for my dad introducing me to is all that classic rock and always having music on the radio all the time like no matter what every day and exploring those vinyl just poking through that collection is such a great feeling and you pull something out that like you've never heard of that looks really interesting and i love that feeling of discovery like it feels like an ancient relic from the past that you're pulling out but um i relate to our our band teacher was kind of a similar figure for me in that way where i felt like he in that same way you mentioned kind of showed me that regardless of like whatever like you know there's always going to be some tension within a teacher-student relationship especially with someone like me not getting like any of my shit in on time and showing up late to all these things and you know not doing my work um still showed me that he thinks that i had a talent and that he believes that you know i could do what i have passion for i relate to that a lot and like i remember i, I auditioned for um we had like a a show once a year that was kind of like a talent night sort of thing the variety show yeah the variety show exactly and I, one year I had auditioned, uh, I think it was my junior year maybe, I auditioned with uh, uh, an acoustic guitar song that I had written. Um, and, you know, I was pretty unpolished back then. Like I'm still not a good guitar player, but afterwards, like once the results that came out, he, he told me, he's like, hey man, like listen, you didn't get into the show but you know i think you have a lot of promise and i think that if you keep working on that that you can make some really good stuff and that felt really good because it's like i think without that that would have been 
could have possibly been a more crushing moment of being like, oh man, I didn't get in, I'm no good, blah, blah, blah. And so I think he was, just despite, you know, other things, I think that was something I admired about him. And part of why I wanted to go into music ed is to be like a figure like that for other kids that are struggling in general with their lives and with their passion as well. Yeah, you know, because being a teacher to me, being uh, it means being someone that your students can not only like just learn from, but like can also look up to and trust, you know, like myself as a teacher, when I finally get that job, hopefully if I ever do, which is my like dream, you know, but if I do ever get that position, I want my students to know that, you know, whatever is happening in their lives that they can tell me and I would help them in any way I can, you know, because I feel like the world needs more teachers like that because I feel like too many teachers are just like so focused on like making like their paycheck and just not caring enough about the students. Yeah. And it's like it's difficult because with teachers, you can tell there are some teachers that looking back, I think are pretty like negative experiences for people in their classrooms overall, like but those teachers that do stand out it it makes such a difference like those are like parental figures in the lives of so many kids like a lot of teachers like have students that they have that connection with where they they almost kind of act as a therapist some kids in a way because a lot of these kids have bad home lives and a lot of these kids like can't afford help that they need and so I think it's really admirable to want to become like that figure in a kid's life. Yeah, you know, I remember, you know, our band director one time he like, I told him part of like a situation I was going through and it was like, Jaden, you know, I hope everything turns out okay. But like one thing you should know that trauma is what really creates good music that stands out, which I thought was kind of like weird. Yeah. <laughs> at the time but like yeah right now I, I i kind of get it you know like that trauma does make good music and even though like it sucks to get that trauma you know it, you can make something good rather than turning your life negative over it you know yeah because i think that ties into like being human overall that these difficulties when you don't face any difficulty you're less likely to be able to become I think like a great person. I think someone that is like a truly great person has been through these these times where because of their experiences, when they can grow from them, when they are able to adapt as a person and also empathize with other people in that way, that's what really is the advantage of like struggle in general. It's actually funny because I just remembered recently that um that same band director I think it was my sophomore year of high school. He actually, I think, went to me and my mom at the time and said like, oh, hey, like Seth, I feel like he's acting different in class. I feel like he seems like he's not being his usual self and that he might be going through something. And that's actually what got me to go to a counselor like for my first time was because of that same teacher. and. Unfortunately, I feel like depression counseling is very focused on depression and with uh, an ADHD kind of mind, I feel like depression is usually more a symptom of the struggles of ADHD, but 
getting onto that path to eventually figure out better about, okay, what is going on in my mind, becoming more introspective, and then eventually learning like what my larger, truer struggles really are. I think that's super important. That helped me out a lot. Yeah, you know, it's just really crazy, like what one, you know, teacher figure, how like that one person can impact your life that much, you know, and I'm honestly grateful for it. Yeah. It's great. the reason why I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. And while speaking of music, I know both of us have a huge appetite for music in general. Oh, yes. So I'm kind of curious throughout your life. Can you remember like what sort of phases you had like growing up versus like now? What are like those major artists or genres that you love that stick with you? Yeah. So I... When I, whenever I would like hang out with my dad, like when I was like little, right, he'd always like turn on like the radio, I guess. I mean, he didn't really have like a specific music taste, but that just kind of led me liking like a lot of like rap and hip hop. And that's what I like mainly focused on listening to throughout like my teenage years is rap and hip hop. And like I liked artists such as like, Lil Wayne, uh, Kanye West, Kid Cudi, Drake, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the basic rappers, I guess. But it wasn't until I actually graduated high school when I got deeper into, like, my music taste and discovering what I truly like. You know, um, my one of my good friends who I hang out with a lot, he showed me uh, The Grateful Dead, which I listened to a lot, such as a lot of other psychedelic rock bands like Mm -hmm. the 13th floor elevators i don't know if you ever heard of them oh no i gotta look into them that's a really intriguing name yeah 13th floor elevators they're like the og psychedelic rock but they're a really good band and just other bands really like sublime and just like bands in general not like just one hip-hop artist but as i like dive deeper into like what i like I figured out I like those goofy psychedelic sounds that where you just think like, how the fuck does this sound come out of this instrument? You oh, know? yeah. Like Jimi Hendrix and all that. But I still like stick to my like roots of liking rap and hip hop. Like I, but it's different like artists such as like ASAP Rocky, you know, Kid Cudi. I still listen to Kanye. And uh, sometimes I like to listen to like a lot of indie bands like uh, Mac DeMarco, Tame Impala. Sometimes I listen to a little bit of Claro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of that bedroom pop spice in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I love some of Mac DeMarco's stuff. Because I remember when I was really young, I had a, a Beatles phase. I think that was in elementary school and a Michael Jackson's. Michael Jackson's. <laughs> you know the favorite band? The, the Jackson Mike- 5, you mean? No, no. No, oh. just the, the band uh, Michael Jackson's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I had a phase of him for a while. Um, and then I remember in around middle school, I got really into Dead Mouse and Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. And I got more introduced to some of like the, the beauty of like production-focused music, which I really love. House music and techno music and electronica. And I had a phase where like I basically only listened to that kind of music for a long time. But then artists like, I feel like Gorillaz, is a big one for a lot of people where that helps them like branch out because, yeah. because of how eclectic their sounds are. Yeah, it makes like like they when they say that they're a gorillas fan, it just makes them seem so like different, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm special. I like gorillas. Yeah. I like not to brag or anything, but yeah. I like gorillas. Yeah. 
you know, I'm just kind of cool like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I forgot to mention this, right? But another uh, a type of music or artist that I've really been enjoying lately is uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Her Sour album, I personally think deserves album of the year because uh, I really like her songs, like with her like deep lyrics, not like just like the like driver's license or anything like that. Like there's this one song, uh, Hope You're Okay, which I didn't really know the meaning of, but like learning what it meant was was, like that she knew a friend who had like abusive parents and like Mm -hmm. she hopes that he or she ended out okay and turned her bad situation to a real flush. But it's just those like deep lyrics that really inspire me of music that i want to create like when you listen to sad music like juice for older x-ray they rap about like all girls are the same i have depression blah 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 yeah but like when i like make a song if i want to make a sad song i like want to make it like subtle you know like when i say something i want my listeners to be like what does he mean by that yeah you know like just those subtle motifs that you really gotta like listen for and stuff like that yeah I love a good like I love a good song that makes you kind of have to give it a bit of a literary analysis on it. Yeah. Um that's part of why I love Sufjan Stevens so much, especially like with his uh has like a lot of metaphorical language and he has like a lot of uh allusions to uh mythology, especially things like Greek mythology comes up, but a bunch of different like folklore and things like that. Uh, not the Taylor Swift album, although I do have to look into that because I've heard it's really good, mm-hmm. despite despite uh, some hiccups in Taylor's uh, musical career. I think it's really funny, the whole Kanye and Taylor controversy. Mm, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, remember, like, the whole, the, yeah, when she interrupted him at the MTV Music Awards and, like, said, blah, 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 uh, she has the best music video of all time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Kanye said, like, oh, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but... uh. Oh, yeah, I'm going to let you finish. It was Beyonce, yeah. Yeah, but Beyonce had one of the best music videos of all time. Did you know that that was actually the inspiration for My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasies? Oh, yeah, I I was actually watching a really good documentary by a guy on YouTube. I'll put up the video here. It's called, like, FD Signifiers, I think the name of the channel. But he had a great video, too, that talked about, like, the history of Kanye West and, like, his evolution. And, like, it analyzed him by looking at him as, like, a WWE uh, character it's really interesting because you can sympathize with a lot of his life and the struggles that he went through and you can kind of understand it better like when you take into account his like mental health and being diagnosed with bipolar disorder but then it's like at the same time he's done a lot of damage in ways where it's like such a complex like he's he's like an anti-hero to a lot of people yeah but you know there, there will always be like the taylor swift stands will be like oh my god kanye's such a piece of shit you know but yeah when you truly like understand the context of like what he's done in the past and like listen to my beautiful dark twisted fantasies to me it just seems like the ultimate redemption you yeah. know because everyone hated him back then even like obama said that he was a jackass yeah in yeah interview. yeah no, but like when he released that album, it just it just won everyone over. You know, everyone just forgot what he did. Last thing I want to talk to you about today is what your 2021 has looked like, because I know 2020 was like a huge meme and everyone was like, oh, God, it's the worst year ever. I'm so glad it's over. But I feel like my personal year for 2021 has been really interesting and strange and a lot more dynamic than 2020. And I was wondering what your experience this year has been like. 
Um, yeah, sure. So, like, back in January, right, it was kind of, like, similar to 2020 just because, like, we were, like, still in quarantine and stuff. But, like, everything really changed for me is, like, when the vaccine came out. And at the time, I was going to the gym regularly with uh, a few of my friends, and uh, we were at Hy-Vee, right? And we had no intentions of getting it because we didn't know we could at the time. But this nurse comes up to us and like, hey, we have two vaccines left. You guys want them? What? Yeah, and we're like, hell yeah, we do. So we took the vaccines, and we got like the second dose like three weeks later or however long you're supposed to wait to take the next one. Yeah. But everything just started really looking up when the vaccines released. I actually got to go back to our old high school to do a teacher observation for our band director. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it was really interesting, you know, because they went back to in-person learning. And I was just like watching them in the class, both like the concert and symphonic band. And it was just like cool getting to see him again. He, and we just had like a conversation about like how college was gone for me and whatnot. But, you know, after that, I finished the rest of my uh, freshman year of college at Noko Ramsey. And then summer came, right? Yeah. Summer was amazing to be in my, like, from my experience, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with uh, my friends and stuff. Oh, uh, before I get to summer real quick, uh, one thing I did forget to mention yeah. in, in February, right? My best friend took me down to Mankato, the same one that took me down a couple of weeks ago uh when we were down there right we we're like having fun and this this girl like trying to like hit on me i was drunk at the time so i didn't really have standards and we didn't do anything we we're just like cuddling right yeah and like the next day it was just kind of like awkward because i like i felt obligated that i had to do something but i just eventually ended up like just telling her like hey you know i don't want to lead you on or anything i'm not interested i'm sorry yeah and it was, she, my friend just kept giving me shit about it, but like in a funny yeah. way, you know? Yeah. But, you know, that happened. But summer, right? I went on a lot of uh, adventures. I went to Dallas, Texas for like a week with a bunch of uh, my friends. And uh, other than that, really, it's just been a lot of traveling, a lot of just in enjoying summer you know doing summer activities going to music fest well not music festivals uh during like the end of summer i went to a it was like a small band concert would you happen to know who the creeping charlies are sounds really familiar but i don't think i do yeah so i saw them live it was just like a bunch of like indie kids just like hanging out you know yeah but summer was nice and so far during this academic year of my second year of anoka ramsey it makes me feel really good to be in person, like I mentioned before, because like I said, I have this hope, this beacon that I know I'm going to make it to where I want to be in Mankato in about a couple months. And just thinking about it just really makes me excited and want to work more hard to make sure that I achieve that because I generally cannot wait to get out of my house, my bad situation go to college with my best friend you know not a lot of people can say they are going to college if they're like longtime best friend they knew since they were 12 and i'm lucky that i can yeah and i can't wait to join or not join rush for a fraternity and hopefully join you know phi delta theta because my friend i mentioned was in a is in a sorority she's in alpha sigma alpha and she wants me to join that chapter at mankato but i'm just 
genuinely so excited for the future to come and all the opportunities I shall face in Mankato and just really just escaping my house. That's just the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah. And as 2021 is coming to a close in December, I will be in Mankato. I will end 2021 with glory and prosperity for myself. And it just, it seems like the best feeling ever. That's really awesome. Yeah. Really happy for you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. For our audio listeners, we had a very uh, strained handshake right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely relate to that feeling of like getting ready to get out of the house because I just moved into this apartment in July. But then after my car got totaled um, in mid-July, I had to basically spend the next over a month uh, just on my mom's uh, couch for like a long time. And that was like, you know, back into the situation again, I was like, Oh goodness. Like I know why I want to get out of here again. It, it's actually funny because, um, at the start of the year, I, um, I, I wouldn't say I was doing amazing. I was working at a, a pizza job in, in January. Um, and this is at a time where I was still recovering from my previous breakup that had happened uh, in the middle of 2020. And of course, from social isolation, like I was basically not seeing anyone for the longest time for like basically all of 2020. I didn't hang out with anyone and I only saw people at work. So it was like kind of a strained time for me. And I did enjoy my pizza delivery job in general. Um, I did enjoy my coworkers a lot and they helped me like essentially through that time. But um, at a certain point, I was like, I really can't be delivering anymore. Like they keep you know, the main managers keep scheduling me like closing shifts, even though before I had explicitly said, like, I don't want to do closing shifts anymore because it messes up my sleep schedule, yada, yada. So I left um, and I went, got a different job and the actual job was different than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like yard work as in like uh, landscaping type stuff. And it actually actually ended up being, I was so dumb that I hadn't realized this earlier, uh, a job at like a car junkyard. And my position when I went there on that first day, it was like with a temp position, uh, was to go out into the yard with another dude there. And all I would do is basically remove the license plates off of cars, clean out all the trash, which is there's a lot of puking and pissing that goes on when people get in car crashes, as well as um, a lot of trash that people keep in their cars for a long time. There was a vase with something at the bottom and I looked at the bottom with my eye right up to it, and it was a dead mouse. Uh, I was like, oh, gross, and I threw that away. And after that day, I was like, nope. Literally next morning, I woke up, I called him, I was like, sorry, I can't do this job, this is not for me. Got a different job as the DSP that I mentioned earlier. That wasn't the right position for me, but with the, with the vaccine coming out soon, I was getting more hopeful, but I was like, I'm really starting to not be able to stand living at my mom's house right now like i was going crazy um and i would only just work out outside of work i was getting like way too into work and like focusing on my diet to like an unhealthy degree if you know what i mean mm -hmm. and then after that i uh eventually got my job at my current position at uh, a place where i clean windows and gutters and then that all happened with my apartment situation i actually moved into a place in the first or second week of June that was renting out a room in a house 
And then I talked to the other roommates there and they mentioned that the guy that owns the house that lives there as well had said like sexual stuff about me while I was moving in. Ugh. Yeah, so I moved out immediately after I had finally moved in, found a different place at this apartment, moved in here, all the happened with my car, and now I'm here and I feel like I'm starting to finally settle down a bit. I'm gonna be getting a different job that's not so stressing on my muscles as well as my sleep schedule. And I feel like I'm starting to get into a mode where I can focus more on my future. And it's like, um, you know, I think kind of in, in line with what you mentioned with going to college, it's like, along with there being like a beacon where despite all this confusion, I'm starting to feel like I have a focus. Like this podcast is something that's been a focus for me as well of reading again, but like going back to college is also something I want to do soon. Yeah. So yeah, I think, you know, just look for big stuff from us coming up. Definitely. <laughs> Not too soon. Give us some time, you know, give us at least a couple days. Yeah. Or years. Possibly an album soon. Oh, hmm? <laughs> uh, I've been hoping. I've been hoping. Yeah. But anyways, well, we'll be signing off here. Um, it was a great pleasure to have my friend Jaden on here. Thanks again for having me on here tonight. Oh, yeah. You're welcome, and thanks for coming in. Of course. Thank you, the listener, for listening or watching. I hope you enjoyed, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye-bye.